Hello, and welcome to the News Cycle. I'm Katrina Hawes, and I'll be your host for today. It's Monday, February 8th. On January 31st, protests erupted in Central Park following the vandalism of the Mohandas Gandhi statue. This controversy is not new to our community. Former Mayor Rob Davis was involved in the extensive conversation that took place prior to the statue's installation in 2016 and shares the sequence of events that led to this moment. This came to us as a consent item, right? So that means it was considered a non-controversial issue. It was presented to us by the um, Art Commission, Civic Arts Commission. That was in February of 2016. I was vice mayor at the time. I, I read the staff report as I did each week and it said it was a gift of the Indian American community of Davis to the city of Davis. I know we have a large Indian American community here. So to me, it was not an issue. Everything was quiet. And then in May or June, all of the city council members received communication from uh, community members, some of whom lived in Davis and some of whom were from the region saying they objected to the installation on the basis of Gandhi's moral behavior that he didn't represent for them. Uh, and, and in fact, not only was it questionable, but he was actually an immoral human being. And so I agreed to meet with this group to hear their concerns. So when I became mayor uh, or was becoming mayor, I reached out to the proponents of the statue and said, hey, there's a group of people in the community who are opposed to this. This would again, been in the June, July period. Would you, could, could we sit and talk about it? Well, they were very upset. But I really felt like it was an opportunity to engage in the kind of community dialogue that we need. So I suggested that we try to have a facilitated conversation. The, the opponents were in favor of that. The proponents rejected it and, and wanted us to move ahead. And so Brett Lee and I then decided that we would go to the council and say, hey, we could pause this. And so we brought it onto the agenda in late August. And it was a very, very difficult meeting. Both sides came, they had their prepared words. But in the lead up to the meeting, or, or even before it was agendized, I got a phone call from the, the consul general, so essentially the ambassador from India, of India to in San Francisco, to, to, to the US consulate there in San Francisco, or the Indian consulate in San Francisco. And he asked to meet with me. And I found that interesting, came out to Davis and sat with me. Essentially, he said to me, well, if the city of Davis doesn't want this statue, we'll take it back. I, I remember it was like getting hit in the stomach because I, I said to him, what do you mean by that? You'll take it back. This is a gift of the Amer Indian American community. The city of Davis said, no, that statue belongs to the Indian government. That really bothered me. It bothered me for a couple of reasons. One, you can go back and read the staff report in February. It's, it, there is never a statement made about an Indian government. As, a, as an elected official, it's one thing to receive a gift from citizens. It's another to receive it from a state. I mean, we're a small city. So that bothered me at that level, just the whole idea that it hadn't been made clear where it was actually coming from. But more importantly to me, and I, I think that I want to say this, is that you know, I'm extremely critical of the, of the, of the current Indian government. 
that they were using the statue as a means to burnish their image, to, which I later confirmed was the case. They were using statues of Gandhi all over the world and promoting it as you know, kind of brand India. Nonetheless, even though I knew where it was coming from, I, I, never, I never went back and said, we need to reject this. But nonetheless, I felt, all right, it's here, it's ours. We own it. We own the controversy about it. We need to talk to each other about it. So when we met in the chambers, I laid out a basic diagram of, of, of conflict resolution. And I said, you know, you've come into the chambers tonight with a position. And what I'd like to hear tonight is what are the needs of the people who are proposing or opposing the statute? But no one made those statements. They stuck squarely to their positions and never got below the surface. And I was extremely disappointed. And it still hasn't happened. And you can see it in the rhetoric that was on display even last week. It's still the same kind of rhetoric. The narrative of Gandhi, I don't think it, I don't personally think it's as cut and dried as, I, I, I certainly don't believe it's as cut and dried as, you know, our own understanding, for example, of, of civil war um, figures, Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee, who, who are insurrectionists who sought to, to destroy the nation. I, I, I think a, an image of them is a, is, a, is a different matter than an image of a man who is held to, uh, and understood in, with two so completely differing narratives. Um, and who has inspired people who we respect, including Dr. Martin Luther King. So I, I don't see that as an equivalence. And that's one of the reasons I'm sad about the statue itself. Despite the glorified figure we often see, Gandhi has always been a controversial individual. UC Davis professor Sudipta Sen has taught courses centered around the historical legacy of Gandhi. Earlier this week, I spoke with Sen to learn more about Gandhi in the context of his time. Hi, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, busy Friday, but uh, the sun is out. Gandhi is a highly revered global figure, um, and I think lots of people know him for his nonviolent approach. And so what makes Gandhi so notable still today? Why are we still talking about him? First of all, you know, there is, it's difficult to deny, you know, the place that Gandhi holds in the Indian sort of popular nationalist patriotic imagination, because, you know, he was, after all, called the father of the nation. But having said that, and of course, there was a legacy of Gandhi, although questioned by a lot of people in South Africa, and, you know, later some members of the Indian National, others, uh, South African National Congress were Gandhiites, others were not. Um, both on the left and the right. Um, and there's, of course, the legacy of Gandhi in the uh, Dr. King's movement. But having said that, Gandhi has always been a very divisive and a controversial figure. And it is actually, uh, in a way, a testament to his enduring legacy, mixed as it is, that he still remains a live political figure, that his legacy has not been laid to rest, that his enemies and detractors are still grappling uh, with someone who was killed 73 years ago. And uh, as you know, Gandhi himself was a very frank and sometimes, you know, disarming. And um, I would even use the word fearless sort of proponent of his own views. And many of his views were very unpopular. And so what were some of those popular views and unpopular views? Yeah, the popular views are something that you all, all, we have all, you know, the architect of the nonviolent movement, you know, the successful 
um, represent, you know, people who, people, someone who rallied the expatriate working class and um, trading community in South Africa um, and led them to, you know, realize some of their civil and human rights. But the, I guess people don't usually, like all sort of sanctified figures, people don't usually spend too much time on his, uh, of, the, of the divisive issues that, you know, Gandhi uh, in some ways in, engendered and his views and methods were under attack during his lifetime. You can try putting on posted stamps and try putting Gandhi on currency notes, which it's true in India as a kind of national symbol, but uh, but the turbulent and controversial history of Gandhi and his legacy cannot be either easily sanctified or put to rest. I mean, you know, we're looking at a very divisive times in which uh, folks, some folks on the Hindu right in India are celebrating Gandhi's assassin as a patriot and a national hero. So that gives you an indication of not just here, um, but also in India, how Gandhi has remained a divisive figure. And so you mentioned this sort of glorified idea that we primarily think of when we think of Gandhi. So what are your thoughts on re-examining these figures that we have held on a pedestal for so long? Yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, when we teach history, you know, um, without necessarily hurting the patriotic sentiments of people, you know, who come from different countries, as a historian, you know, how can I not say that every national figure who has who have been put on a pedestal should be examined and re-examined in, in the light of history. Uh, and they should be freedom to criticize, uh, censure, even censure if you, you know, if there's evidence, you know, and and also maybe reappreciate some of the things that they did were and but also it was important to judge people in the context of their time. So, you know, some of Gandhi's ideas that were very uh, conservative about things like women's rights and uh, reproduction uh, and things like that, uh, birth control, uh, were outdated even during his own time, some people might say. Certainly Indian feminists would say that. But, you know, it's a, it's a complex set of issues. And um, let's put it this way, you know, no figure is necessarily safe from historical scrutiny. And that's the way it should be. Protesters at this statue called Gandhi a racist and a child molester, among other things. Is there historical evidence to back these claims? Let me separate those two things out. First of all, the the charge of racism, you know, um, I think that, you know, from his particular privileged position that he came from, his father was the, the administrator of a princely state. The fact that he was very much initially a lawyer for the, you know, who practiced in British courts and was called to bar at law in, in, uh, in England. You know, his ideas of, of citizenship, uh, empire, race would have been exactly representative of people of his class and privilege at the time. When he went to South Africa, clearly some of his writings about, you know, indigenous peoples, especially the Zulus, the Ndebele, Matabeles, and other sort of tribal groups who were at the time fighting against the, uh, both the Boers and also the British Empire, uh, were not quite charitable because remember what he was doing. He was trying to argue for the, uh, you know, racial mistreatment of Indian immigrants. And sometimes that pitted him against other kinds of, he wanted to say that, oh, these are honorable, respectable people from India who are, you know, who are not inferior and things like that. In that context, when he was representing his, the you know, the trading groups of India, you know, 
you can take some of these ideas out of context. That doesn't mean that some of those ideas could not be construed as racist. They, they, they could be and they should be. But the moment Gandhi stopped representing them, if you look at what he said about the Zulus and their noble fight, and what Gandhi witnessed himself as an ambulance corps worker during the Bambata rebellion, and the fact that you know, he ultimately was, was put in jail with Africans and other South Asians, I think Gandhi, Gandhi slowly uh, became more radicalized in some ways and his views evolved about that issue. So that, so yes, uh, racism is very much part of that legacy, but we need to re-examine it. The charge about sexual molestation is, is harder to literally, you know, sort of put it in that particular way because Gandhi in his autobiography does talk about his efforts all his life to completely conquer sexual desire and talked about the fact that as an old man, you know, he was in close contact and surrounded by younger women, whether any quote unquote impure thought came into his mind, you know, you know, those things are, is, are very disturbing, you know, if you take them out of context, since all we know is from his, you know, autobiography, my experiments with truth and some other writings about celibacy and things like that. I think those are easier to misconstrue, but I would draw the line against, you know, calling Gandhi a molester or some people say pedophile, you know, things like that. I, I cannot support that. Okay, Katrina, nice to talk to you. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Yeah. All right, okay. have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. The News Cycle is produced by the Blue Devil Hub in collaboration with the Davis Enterprise. Katrina Hawes and Jihan Moon are the producers. Our theme music is by Daniel Ruiz Jimenez. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Davis.